Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. I'm the sex addict husband in recovery since formal disclosure a year ago. My wife and her therapist and I have, my wife has her therapist and I have my CSAT. It seems there's so much information lost in trying to inform each other of the therapy we're receiving. Although my wife feels unsafe with me, I would prefer to have a common therapist who meets with us at the same time so we both hear what the therapist is saying. I think it would help the two of us to be on the same page and operate as a team. When or do you recommend we meet together with the same therapist? Well, um, the first thing is I don't hear that your wife says she would like to do this. So you said my wife feels unsafe with me. Um, I hear her information is lost, but I don't hear her saying she her resolution would be that. But in any case, um, I absolutely agree that you need to have your own person and each of you need that support. Um, this seems to me to be a conversation that you need to have. Um, maybe there's mm, this way of thinking about it is, when, as a therapist, I need to know your goal. Are you coming to therapy because you want to feel better about something? Are you coming to therapy because you have a drinking problem? And I would want to know, you know, what is the goal for you as a couple? Is it about moving forward? Is it about having some distance? Is it about the trust issue? Um, I think all of those things would be well served in couples work. And she doesn't feel safe with you, which is, but I, oh, I was going to say one more thing, which is, you don't have to necessarily inform each other of everything that happens in each other's therapy. Therapy is personal. Therapy may be just between you and that person. Now, if you start whipping stuff out, like, well, my therapist said that you should be, you know, you say that to your spouse, that's a problem because I don't always necessarily believe how the therapist received that information, what's actually coming back. Um, so tell me what are, so yeah, it, it does create situations where there could be manipulation lying. I mean, that does concern me, but Tammy, um, I'm going to grab a quick glass of water. Can you okay, say a little, I hear a little tickle that? in your throat? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It's cold yeah. Here. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was actually on the receiving end of one of those conversations earlier today where someone called me and said, you told this person. And I was like, mm, that was not how that all went. So, so I get that and that is a challenge the but i i wondered you know have you what is your personal goal with your therapist and have you suggested that the two therapists with the two of you have a session maybe at least once a month or you know periodically so that both therapists are working to support each of you but also the relationship so so yeah the the therapy for you is working with you the therapy for her is working for her and then then yes at a certain point especially when you're past formal therapeutic disclosure which that's what I assume you're saying um, is that you can either do conjoint therapy the two therapists or have a couples therapist you know that meets so I suspect that there is an opportunity there but I 100% agree with Dr. Rob what is the goal for your wife as well, you know, what would help her feel safe, you know, in moving forward, um, uh, you know, her being dragged to another therapist, 
you know, may not feel good to her and may not feel like that's a safe thing for her as well. So I do want to say that the purpose of therapy is not to reassure each other about everything that happened in your therapy. And I think, you know, Tammy and I talk about over talking it. And I think, you know, when when I come home, if I've been in therapy, I expect my spouse to say, how was your therapy? Did you learn, you know, was it useful? Did you, you know, is anything I want to know about? But I, if she's seeking to feel safe by learning everything that's going on in your therapy, then you don't have a safe place. And I can understand her thinking, well, I would never know if he was sober because he doesn't really tell me what's going on in his therapy. You might set some boundaries and say, if these things come up in therapy, we're going to talk about them and maybe reassure her that if certain things that worry her, that you would absolutely tell her. Um, And it wouldn't just be between you and your therapist, but I am not a fan of, you know, how much Tammy and I preach communication and encourage connection. And, but I think oversharing when you are working on things in a very personal way can kind of get you guys caught up in a not healthy way. Um, And I'd rather see the trust there grow, which is, I will tell you, it wouldn't hurt. Like Tammy said, if she's feeling really unsafe, she could go see your therapist with you and say, here are the things I feel unsafe about that would be taking care of herself. And by the way, we do take spouses in once or twice. We call them a collateral, which literally means you are collaborating with us and bringing in information and, you know, helping us get on track, but you're not there for therapy yourself. And that can be really, really helpful, especially with addicts when one person's being told this and one person's being told that. Anyway, um, great question. I have uh, another comment too, because, and I know these are always brief, but, you know, I, I hear you've been through formal therapeutic disclosure you're working with your therapist I didn't hear and here's all the other recovery work I'm doing and here's all the other support I'm doing that may also be a factor in her not feeling safe as well because you know with these these are complex issues if if and I'm not saying you're not but if you are only seeing even the best therapist that you know that isn't enough to you know to counteract you know uh, all the years or decades of of untrust. So making sure that your spouse is aware of what your plan is in your program. If you haven't started doing like the Thanos check-in, maybe that would help your spouse, you know, gain some trust. That could be a good connection point. There's so many different ways, you know, to help build that bridge as well. So. And we teach courses, you know, and um, I mean, I want to say something about that. When we do, for example, sex addiction 101, it isn't just the basics because it goes on to advancing and then advancing. And so sometimes people get reminded of the basics, but they start to build a community and grow, you know, together taken mm-hmm. out of the doghouse class. Your wife may see you be more empathic toward her. So, you know, and also I do think um, part of your being seen sitting there in a class once a week reassures your spouse that you're doing something about it. And then there's all the free stuff, by the way, it'd be great. If the two of you are listening to podcasts in the car, I find a lot of couples feel that that's helpful to them or, you know, God, I got a million YouTubes. Sometimes it can just be things you both need to understand better. And it's better if you're in the same room together. So um, some people I'll shut up. I hate going on and on, but some people, some folks will read a chapter of one of the books to each other so they can oh, get some share and then they can ask questions and talk about stuff. So, and if you don't like to read, there's audiobooks. So, you know, all of that. Um, but this is a communication issue, and there's so many different ways to make that happen. Um, and it's only been a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I was also thinking, because we have the work groups on seeking integrity for you, but like, I don't know, has she 
Um, has she developed what her healthy boundaries are? Has she stated what they are? So, and are you, are you um, not blowing through them? Are you abiding by them so that she's starting to go, oh, look, he's becoming trustworthy. I mean, there's so many pieces of this. Um, so, so thank you for being here. Thank you for asking. And it's more complex, but I think, you know, talking to your CSAT, but making sure you guys are communicating about what is our goal, you know, and, uh, with professional help, but lots more support free and low cost on our sites too. So, okay. Next question, Dr. Rob, this is from a female, my former partner PA has also acted with strippers. Yes, yes. Just so people know. I, I should honestly say that because I just because they don't always know. I'm and, sorry. I don't yeah, no, I know that. No, no, no. That is, you're right. So, my former partner, who was a porn addict, has also acted out with strippers. Has a widowed best friend with two little girls. He babysits for them alone. Should I be concerned? Warn the best friend. I honestly don't know what to do. So well, this feels like somebody watches porn. Would they offend right. on with children? Right. Well, there's two pieces to this. And I agree with you. One of the questions that comes up a lot, and I'm really glad you asked this, even if it isn't in the context of what you were thinking, which is so many people hear out of control sexual behavior, you know, and they immediately go to they're hurting children. They're looking at child porn because after all, it's, you know, if you said out of control violence, you know, that would be pretty scary. But in my experience, there's a very, very small percentage of sex addicts that go on to offending or are offenders. And a lot of time it's stuff they're looking at online. It's not necessarily contact offenders, someone who would touch or be inappropriate with a child. I don't see a lot of those folks in addiction um, as someone who would actively do it or has actively do it. Now, I don't know how old these girls are. You know, if they were post-pubescent, I might feel differently. Um, there Two little is, girls. So I'm kind yeah. of thinking under 10. By the way, I don't know if you're like me, but I have cameras in my home. And if anyone were to walk in or whatever, I would know. And I think one of the first cameras they had were those teddy bear cameras, you know, so you can always watch. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to say about this. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't see. Oh, so just because you look at porn. Oh, I know what the other issue is. Sorry, Tammy. It's been a long day. What I would worry about if he's a porn addict is. Does he look at it when they're in the room? Does he look at it when they might be running through playing? You know, because that's, they can get, they may not be actively harmed at all, but they're seeing things or seeing, and I have had people say, well, I just sit in the corner and look at porn while the kids are playing. I would be, actually, I would be more concerned about that and uh, than the actual behavior that he's done so far. That's what I hear the most of. Um, Tammy, anything? Well, so I, I'm going to ask you another question. So this is a person who is a former partner, you know, is not in the relationship anymore. So, so what is your take on, do you, you know, do you reach out to this person and share friend, someone else's the friend? Addict? Yeah. Do you reach out mm -hmm. to the, to the best friend and share this person's a porn addict? You may not know it. I mean, like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, you're speaking to me. I'm asking, um, yeah, I'm, I'm asking well, for I, input. I think these are two separate issues. I think if you want to talk to your friend about what you went through with this person and what you've struggled with, she can decide for herself, you know, what she wants to do. Um, you don't even have to say sex addict. You can say, you know, he was unfaithful to me. But um, I, I wanted to go into something else, if you don't mind, which is interesting to me Please. here, which is, and I think this is a really 
how do I say this? There's kind of a lack of understanding in the question, which is, this is not a porn addict. This is a sex addict. You can say he's a porn addict, but once he starts acting out with real life people like strippers, that's a sex addict. And once I hear that somebody Great. has acted out with strippers, well, certainly they it's not that porn addicts are in less pain or they do less harmful things, but they are people who haven't touched, haven't looked at, haven't been to, you know, you don't see porn addicts going to massage parlors. You don't see them going to strip clothes because they're anxious and fearful about connection. They would love to go do those things, which I hate to say, but they say that they started their own program because they felt like the sex addicts were engaging in live behavior that they were just watching online. So to me, if someone calls themselves a porn addict, but they're acting out with strippers, then they're trying to minimize to some degree the reality of what they do. And I hate to say this, but it wasn't just strippers. I think about some other arenas that that went on. There is one more thing here. And Katami, I'm surprised you didn't say it. Is he in recovery? Is he going to meetings? Is he in therapy? I mean, you said that he did this, um, you know, when when he was your partner. But um, as a widowed best friend with two little girls. Yeah, I just I would wonder about the recovery piece here. And tell yeah, me, maybe I, I, I got that I, wrong. No, I, no, I, you're right. I, I, I went to the assumption of that is an active, still addict. Like I, I kind of made up the whole story of like we're no longer in a relationship because he never got help. So, but again, that was my, I made up that whole story because it isn't written written in there. So, well, I, and to that point, thank you, Tammy. It's like if I felt concerned that something might be going on, I would feel very reassured if I knew my former partner had a plan or they had a sponsor or they were in therapy. And so it's almost like we don't have enough information here because is this person who's actively focusing on recovery, no matter what they did out there, other than uh, offending, or are they just kind of like, oh yeah, I've got this problem and you know, it's not as bad as it used to be. And then they are hanging out with those kids. That would make me more concerned. So yeah, I mean, it's a complicated question, but I do think it's not, an, it, we don't look at it as it's automatic. Okay, so you act out with porn and you go to sex clubs or whatever. So that means you're going to harm a teenager. And it just, they aren't really correlated in that way. Okay, next question. Would you, I'm next time I want to ask you, no, would you agree yeah. with that? Because you've heard well, so many I, it's people. No, I know, but it's like, it was one of those I was challenged because like, I always want to protect the kids. But I was like, if of he course. is acting out and it's always out there, but you're right. If he's, I mean, we, we've had guys come to our treatment program who are acting out on their devices and there are right. children in the room and so not okay. So, so, you know, and you can or say, children well, they went sleeping to bed. and they're paying yeah, attention. Exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're offline. Now, if he had strippers and he brings escorts over while he's supposedly babysitting another huge issue, but like, you're right. We don't have enough information, but, um, but it is challenging because, you know, uh, you you want to protect the children, but on some level, it's also you're not in a relationship with that person anymore. And right. so I mean, it's complicated. I don't have an easy answer. None of okay. these are easy I'm answers. Two, no, that's true. I'm two years removed from disclosing the use of porn and all the lies and deceit that come with that. I have been sober for almost 20 months. Yay. Right now, my wife is triggered not because of anything that I particularly did currently, but because of the reminder of things that I've done in the past. I'm trying not to defend, explain, or rationalize any of my past behaviors. I am trying <clears throat> to create a space for her to be angry, 
what kind of platform do I have to help her through these triggers? I want to ask her if we can stay in the present and not the past, but I fear that will amplify things. Or I want to ask her how I can help you regulate what you are do going through right now, but I fear that she will be judging her, uh, she would be judging her for her safety seeking. So. Well, it's interesting about yeah. the, some of the former questions, because I think this is a case where a couple would be well served in couples therapy, because mm -hmm. if you've been sober for 20 months and she's getting triggered and you're really trying now, maybe you're not as empathic as you think you are, or maybe you're missing the mark, or maybe she's responding to trauma from the past and she is so reactive that she can't. So, you know, I think, I think that you might need some guidance here. And maybe that's why you're reaching out to us. Cause this isn't someone, by the way, folks in a crisis, this is someone who believes that they are both walking the walk but they can't quite reconnect in the way that probably they both do. And, and I think, Tammy, we have a theme here tonight, which is, you know, spouses saying, I, I, I see good things, but I don't feel safe. Or my spouse mm -hmm. sees that I'm doing well, but I clearly they don't trust me yet. And that is a really tough one, especially if you're working really hard to get well. And you're like, yeah, I've got 14 months and I've been doing all this work. And your spouse is just like, you know, I don't want you here and don't talk to me. You know, it's very difficult. Um, I do not think that you can ask her for you two to stay in the present. I think if you said that to me, I would say, well, F you, I'll stay wherever I want to stay. I don't think giving her any instruction at all would be helpful. You can speak for yourself. I'd like to spend more time together. I'd like to do something fun. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to go see, you know, I, first of all, there's a light part which is rather than focusing all this, can you guys, like the outer circle, Tammy, can you guys have some fun together? Can you, even if it is completely not touching, you know, can you do something that you both enjoy without even making it a big deal? Like we're going on a date, just, you know, are there ways you've connected in the past? I feel like I'm yelling. Are there places you're connected in the past where you can reconnect now that are not so heavy? And I do think for all of us, recovery can't just be about stopping this and not doing that and avoiding this. We all have to have something to look forward to. You know, and most of our relationships are not just about this pain. We have other parts that are intact. Um, so I would suggest that you definitely not instruct her about you, what you want from her or how you want her to act or, um, or that you want to help her regulate. I think if she wants something, she can ask you. Um, however, you can uh, more focus on what can we enjoy together. And, my, and I'm right here if you ever want to talk to me. Um, and by the way, you can say, I feel like defending my behavior. You don't have to do it, but it's actually interesting for her to hear that you're thinking about it and that you recognize how it used to be. So you might actually want to be a little bit more descriptive about your process. Um, yeah. And Tammy, I, I have a feeling there's a whole bunch of stuff you want to say about this. Well, uh, I, I always say, don't say any of those things in the moment. But like when you're not in that moment, you can right. say, you know, it's so difficult. I, and I, I'm, I hate how my past behavior has triggered. It's the holiday time. Trust me, people are going to get triggered for stuff that they go, oh my gosh, I haven't even thought of that in a year. And here it is. Again. So, it, you know, so yeah, triggers happen and, and we don't always, you know, see them coming. You know, we can't go, yes, I'm going to be triggered on a discovery date or whatever. Yes, you know that one. But I wonder if you say, you know, like when we seem to get to these crossroads, is there something that I can do 
or say that would be helpful in that moment or is giving you space what you need. What can I do? What should I not do that would be useful? And, you know, like then you're inviting feedback. And I, and I love what Dr. Rob said about, I feel like being defensive. I don't want to be defensive. I, you know, I can't fix this. All I can do is work on me so that I don't repeat that. But you know, what would be helpful when we get to those spots? And then you can still ask her and say, we talked about this before. You said this, is that, you know, should I, should I say that or do that? I mean, you can ask, ask for, you won't do it perfectly, but just the, I'm trying, you know, like that gets seen and that's progress that you couldn't have done two years ago. So thoughts, any other thoughts on that? I'm just thinking about day to time. But um, yeah. you brought up something that I want to spend a few minutes on um, without answering questions for a moment. Actually, I close this. And thank you, Tammy, you reminded me, which it is, a, we don't usually put this on the podcast because it sort of dates us, but Thanksgiving, it is Thanksgiving. And uh, there are a lot of expectations that we're supposed to have. I remember Dr. Seely, a friend of ours, used to say forced merriment. You know, there's this expectation that we're supposed to be happy and all enjoying each other. And so one of the things I worry about um, is how, and by the way, we act out over all of these issues. You know, um, I remember one of the things that I just regularly did was after Thanksgiving dinner, I'd spend a few hours and, but I was like thinking about what am I going to do later? Because whatever came up during Thanksgiving, I would put icing on the, oh, the turkey was good, but I want some icing on the cake and go act out. I didn't even realize I was acting out over the feelings that came up um, at the dinner, but I was writing a couple of notes and I think this is, there's internal boundaries. What I was thinking about, in other words, is you can make a list um, of things that upset you when you're with your family, um, meaning if they start talking about this or they don't want to talk about that or they try to show me this, whatever it is, you can make a list of your boundaries, things I will talk about and things I won't. Um, I would have this conversation with your partner if you're in a relationship. When do we get into trouble? How can we, how can we nudge each other if we see one of the others getting in trouble? You can support each other. Um, I think, and I don't mean to be all negative about families, but I know enough about the holidays that we struggle with a whole bunch of things. So I would have an escape plan. You know, if one of you is really having a hard time that you can come over or you by yourself say, and I don't know what that is. You don't want to lie, but you can see, you know, I just got really tired or, you know, whatever it is, or maybe you have a call set up with your sponsor. So you can truthfully say, you know, I've got this call back. So whatever that is, have a, have an escape plan, have boundaries around what you would think would make it particularly difficult. So you can, because in the moment we kind of forget that, um, know what you're heading into over the holidays. And I said this many times, but I love having family holidays because I want to be with family. I want to have that celebration, but I also know how much of it I can tolerate. And so, you know, I, I used to go to a family member's house and spend the weekend. That wasn't such a good idea. Then I would spend a night that actually wasn't a good idea. Now I get a hotel room with my spouse and we go for a few hours. It's real, real fun. And then we go back. It's not because I mean to insult anyone. It's for me. Boundaries are for me. I will lose my mind if I stay overnight for whatever that means to you. So um, escape plans, setting boundaries. The one other thing, well, two more. If you don't have plans for the holidays, please make some. Um, I've said very often that there are two experiences, two situations under which addicts will almost always act out. So you, you addicts just know this. We are most likely to act out when we are traveling and we have time where nobody quite knows where we are, or we can sort of sneak off somewhere or whatever that is, an unstructured time alone. 
even though we kind of look like we're tough with all the crazy sex stuff that we do, if you look at that as, as a form of being afraid of abandonment, like, you know, I look at it like I'm leaving home to go on the road and I'm going to feel lonely. And now I realize that's why I acted out on the road because I was lonely. During the holidays, my family goes somewhere and home, home alone. And that the first place I used to go, because I didn't feel that stuff, was, gee, how much can I act out? And let me get online. And I would get online before the holiday and make the plans for after everyone left. The, the last one, and Tammy, I hope you can comment on some of these as I'm going so fast. But I, I realize I want to get this out. I, I think the hardest, the hardest situation is when some of the family members know that you acted out or that your spouse acted out, no harm, no foul. But, you know, let's say I'm a wife and I got, you know, 20 years of cheating and I called my mom or I called my sister or I called, you know, whatever. And we really talked about it and they're very supportive. But now we got to sit at Thanksgiving table and they know what I know, but others don't know it. And they're looking at my spouse like I still hate you because you, you know, it's just a very or if both parents know it, it's a difficult dynamic. And, you know, there may be situations for some people who where you might clear that, depending on who's in the room and say, oh, some of you may know that we have been haven't been getting along. You have to name it. And we're feeling so much better. And, you know, thanks for loving us. You may not do that in every circumstance, but I think that there's a way that you can let people know that, yeah, this has gone on and I'm comfortable that, you know, rather than they can't talk about it, you can't talk about it. But just in general, I think that's a very difficult situation to walk into. Spouses often have nobody to tell or they're too ashamed to tell anybody. So, of course, they may turn to a family member and say, I need your help. And when it gets to Thanksgiving, Hanukkah and Christmas, there they are facing each other. And that's that's a hard thing to think about when you're in the middle of the crisis, but it will happen. So any thoughts about the holiday? Tana? Oh, yeah, no, I, I it's well, like we like I mentioned a moment ago, like you can be triggered and not even realize all of this stuff is happening and the expectations and, all, you know, and I mean, I've already had people calling up like, well, what do I do? And how do, how do we go to these parties together? And how do we be around? And I'm like, you, you pick, you know, you pick how you want to do it. But I think like the escape plan, but also like if it's a, a spouse and going like, I'm going to go see my family, you know, you, you know, you can use whatever reason, you know, I'm just not feeling up for right. it or whatever right now. Yeah. You know, um, abundance of caution, you know, uh, whatever you need to use um, to just hold that space, but go like, like, I'm still going to go do this, but I don't, you know, I'm too traumatized right now to be in a family and pretend like everything is great. I mean, I get a lot of that too. So, so I love your idea of have an escape plan, but, but even have a plan. Like I'm, like you, you right. said, like now what, this is what I do. So it's not even the escape plan. I'm going to have a plan before I go and you can have a code word if you need to leave, you know, whatever you need to do, but take care of you so that, you know, it isn't an extra burden, you know, any more than it has to be with the holidays. Well, I think this is a larger lesson for everyone. And this is part of recovery is I just, I have to be conscious. I have to know what situations are going to leave me. And it's part of what we do in our treatment center, but you know, well, I just go and do it. Well, no, you don't really just go and do it. You have these feelings and then you start thinking this way. And we really work. And I think this is part of the work to say, you know, when do you think you're in trouble? When might you need to do this or that? And so I think it's the same kind of thing. You know, I don't mean to dismiss the love and caring and the connection that goes on, the spirituality that goes on in these kinds of experiences, but we're vulnerable people. 
And so I would want to know in advance, you know, and, and here's the other thing. I don't know about you, Tammy, but when I'm with my family, I turn back into a nine-year-old. <laughs> I don't, you know, I just turn back into that little kid. I can't help it. That system is so, so yeah, really setting some concrete ways that you would know you're in trouble, you're upset. And by the way, if you start fantasizing about acting out, I can tell you that something ain't right. Um, a couple of more things about Thanksgiving. Don't drink. You know, I if you're not an alcoholic, I, I don't care whether you drink or not, but this isn't the right situation because you we have enough work just trying to not say the wrong thing and not react and, you know, or or whether you see some people disagreeing and you just want to jump in there. In other words, we lose our impulse control. We lose our ability to say, I don't think I should say that if you have a few glasses of wine and so, or whatever it is. So of course the sober, sober people are not going to, but if you're not sober, you know, it, it, you will lose some of your inhibitions and you may do or say some things that, you know, aren't helpful. Um, what else can I say about the holiday? You may see people that are attractive. Somebody married someone, someone got involved in someone, someone's, you know, you haven't seen since 12 and now they're 20, you know, so be prepared for that. Be prepared for there's some, what are you going to do? Who do you have to call? How are you going to handle it? How is your spouse going to handle it? Um, the last thing I'm going to say, and I could make this list all day long, is it's okay to, if someone says, are you guys okay? Or yeah, we're doing a lot better. But don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't say, well, you know, my addiction and I've really and now I've been doing these classes and just don't bring it up. If someone says something, be very vague and say, yeah, we've been going through some challenges. But, you know, it doesn't mean they don't know. But I would not volunteer information because it makes someone else feel this is not the setting. We have a saying, news, weather and sports. You want to write that one down. News weather and sports that's what you talk about with your family well so-and-so just got a job and tammy and i did you know how cold it is at this time of year and did you see that game um have you watched that on netflix it's really okay in this situation to be superficial you will not hear me encourage that communicate less be more superficial because you need to be safe and uh yeah i mean we could go on on holidays forever but we love you i care about you and i don't want you to come back from the holidays saying I wish I felt better about that. Um, yeah. So thanks, yeah. Tammy, for doing I, all that I, with me. I share that a lot too with the, you know, we're doing okay. Or, you know, yeah, it's been a little challenging, but we're doing better. And turn the subject, ask them a question about them. Right. Like, or just change, yeah, just change the subject. It, it's really easy to do. Practice in advance. Practice this stuff in advance. Have a plan. So you aren't going, uh, 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 you know, have a plan. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.